Welcome to the Media Monsters Podcast. I'm Danny Galvez. That's Jeremy Schreifels. And today we're talking about music and not just music. We're talking about the writing, the conceptualization of it, the process that a musician goes through and a singer songwriter goes through to get to the studio, full production and release. And we're going to manage to get that done in like 22 minutes or 22 and a half minutes. <laughs> Is that possible? No, your face, Jeremy was like, what? <laughs> I love it because if people could really see the video all the time, they would pick up so much more information from us. Of course it's possible. And yes, I speak very loudly with my nonverbals. <laughs> you do. Yeah. I mean, Jeremy just said 15 things in that one moment. It sounded like I can't say it because they were like <laughs> pretty explicit. Make sure if you're tuning in and you can't see this, uh, make sure you join us on our Media Monsters 1111 channel on YouTube. We'd love to have you in there. Make sure you subscribe, tag a friend, share some, share it with somebody who needs to see it, and join us on Facebook too. We have Media Monsters group. It's an open community. You can join. All you got to do is just follow the rules. It's a great place for creators to collaborate, people that are media advocates and utilizers. If you're in business or you just love media, we'd love to have you there in the community. So, all right, Jeremy, let's go ahead and start the episode uh, with this question. And I used to do this when I was a kid. I'd always come up with like snappy jingles, but I never wrote the complete song. And I listened to a lot of music, but I want you to take us through that process as a creator. You know, what does that look like? Somebody comes to you and says, you know what? I want to write a song. And how do I do it? The first answer is there's a million ways to actually do that. But I think that the simplest place to start is like, where's your comfort level at? So some people are really comfortable at writing lyrics. So they might want to sit down and write kind of a lyric or tell a story. Um, some people get overwhelmed by that. And so I'll just say, just write a poem. Tell a small story in a poem because that's something that actually most people's brains can attach to because they've been taught that in their high school English class or their college classes. It's something familiar. And you're about telling a story. It usually follows a simple format. Um, you can use things like rhyming and descripting words. So our brain's already wired to write songs, but we've never called it that. And so that's why I'm like, just write a poem and tell a story within it. So that's one way of doing it. Other people, they're like, they start with the music. And so they may be like, that could be with a melody, something that they're singing or whistling or humming as you're going for a walk or going for a run or driving down the car or whatever you might be doing during your day to kind of get those ideas out. I suggest that people walk around with a phone. Most of us do. But if you're walking around with that phone, speak or sing or hum or make weird noises into your phone to kind of capture those ideas. And then the third way is some people will start with like a groove or something percussive or like a chord structure kind of thing. And so I'm kind of thinking of like those are going to be like the rhythm section people like drummers, bass players, guitar players. They might start with like, this is how I want the song to feel. And then they would be like, OK, well, now that I know how the song feels, then I can institute some of those other layers. So like if you know how a song feels, typically then I'll be like, OK, well, what lyrically are we trying to say? What are the words? What's the story you want to tell? What's the emotion that we want the listener to feel? And then the final piece is would be the melody. So how do we actually integrate those lyrics on top of that progression or on top of that rhythmic structure? Because there's really three parts to a song. There's rhythm, right? That's what makes the song go forward. Um, there's melody. 
So that's what people are used to singing or hearing or is repeatable. And then there's harmony. So it's kind of the thing that kind of blends everything all together, pushes or pulls something, but it gives us a structure to stay on top of that's repeatable. Once you have those three elements, then you put down like a, we call them scratch tracks. So basically like a work tape, something where you have some sort of instrumental something along with singing and the lyric. So you are putting at least a base version of those three elements together in one space. Then once you do that, then in my mind, that's where the real creativity happens. And that's if I'm not part of that song writing process, that's typically when people would bring a song to me. They're like, hey, Jeremy, we got this song. We wrote it. We have a work tape. Um, can you produce this song? Basically, which means we want to take it from a voice and a guitar or a voice and a piano or sometimes just a voice. And we want to bring it to something like that they can release either on at this point, mostly digital streaming platforms or even, you know, try to move towards putting on a radio type of station. And that's where the fun begins for me, because then I get to take that and I live with it and really try to bring the emotional and the energy and the feeling that they're really trying to convey and put the right elements together. Now, whether that's one or two or seven guitars, whether that's keyboards, whether that's what kind of bass or kind of foundational sounds or textures do they want? And then rhythmic textures. Um, and I don't always like to speak. So everybody's like, well, don't you just want bass drums and guitars? And I'm like, well, I want those types of textures, but not always those instruments. Cause sometimes your rhythmic structure or your rhythmic texture could just be like a shaker and a tambourine and some little light hand percussion. And that might be all the song calls for, because at the end of the day, my goal is to serve the song the best I can. So in serving the song the best I can, I need to find the, the right types of rhythmic textures, the right types of harmonic textures, and then the right melodic textures. And by melodic textures, typically it's going to be the voice, right? But if it's the voice, should it be a female voice or should it be a male voice? Should there be multiple voices? Should we have harmonies? Should we have background vocals? What are the other things that can support that melody that make it so memorable for the end user? Because what you want is as many end users to listen to it as you possibly can. So tell me. I think I did it in less than 22 minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know. Yeah, you might be taking a nap before it's over, but I, I was thinking about some questions. I didn't want to interrupt you because I know once you get in there, it's like anything, right? When you're a musician... You get into flow, any disruption to that can really throw you off track. So, um, or take you off beat. Oh, look at you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> watch out. Watch out, world. Here I come. So, let's go back to the songwriting portion because yep. I love this. And you probably know this historically, you know, songs and music and songwriting, they're, they're brilliant, right? They can stir up those emotions. I'm sure you know what song was playing when you got your first kiss. When you got your ass kicked the first time, or maybe even, you know, when you felt the best in your life up to this point. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I know that the vernacular changes through each generation, through each decade, right? I mean, we were getting down to trills and brr, brr, just in this last iteration of music and popular yeah. music. <laughs> so I was like, I wonder if Jeremy does anything like that in a country Thank song. Thank Cardi B. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, this is Cardi B remakes for the uh, country track. To all the girls I loved before, uh, written by Willie Nelson, right? Um, you've got—I yeah. don't know if Willie wrote that song or not, but 
I just remember him singing that. So my question is this, have you ever gotten a track that somebody wrote and they really feel it, right? They're not wrong because they feel it, they love it, but the wording's just not right. They're using similes and, um, you know, they're using imagery in the, in the writing that just doesn't flow or fit well. Like they're using a, a reference today that was maybe applicable in the eighties, like, you know, under the bridge or cuts like a knife and all of those cliche things. Right. Yep. <laughs> Uh, the answer is yes. I've definitely come across those. Um, I read a book by Shelley Pikin called Adventures of a Serial Songwriter. And she actually wrote the lyrics in the song to the song Bitch, which was kind of her big hit. But she has this book and she tells this story and it's all about collaborative songwriting. And clearly, I'm also a part of that process a little bit as a producer. And it's really like you go into it asking questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, I hear what you just said, but is that what you is that what you meant, or what if you said it this way? And sometimes I'm suggesting because I want to make sure that we find that right lyric, because if they're really feeling it, they're really feeling it. And sometimes it's I go on that that space of discovery to find out to make sure that that is the right one, and then I remove the do I like it or not like it. I I. I have to remove that. And in fact, anybody that's in the songwriting space, you really have to remove that. Do I like it or not like it? Because is that serving the song the best? Does it tell the story the best? Does it fit the hook? Does it hit the, does it fit the melody to make sure that you're capturing all of that? But it's really a a series of asking questions. Okay. Well, I hear you said cut like a knife. Is that how you would speak? And sometimes if you're a songwriter and you're also going to be the artist who is performing this, singing this, playing it out live, is that how you would speak? Would you say cut like a knife? We might because we're from the 80s, but you're from you were born in 1999. You probably wouldn't say that. So what's another thing that you could use? And we might end up coming back to it. The knife cut like, you know, whatever you might move some words around. Or you might kind of right. retransform that a little bit, but it's a delicate balance. Yeah, it's right? pretty interesting because too. You, you're, you're talking about somebody's words that they've been pouring over for a long time. I had an artist in here. She wrote a Christmas song, which is turned out incredibly, but it took us almost four years to get it to the right spot because it just wasn't was right. It? One or two was words or the little bit of the melody or anything like that. And it's just like, it's just not right yet. It's just not right yet. Okay. Let's keep trying to find out what the right is. It's amazing. So what would you recommend to somebody who does want to get into songwriting? Like how many words should they be writing a day? Um, where should they go to find inspiration? Cause you know, writer's block can be real. Um, do you use chat GPT or any shortcuts to kind of help you? You know, definitely don't use chat GPT in songwriting. Um, Cause you actually can't songwrite. You can't copyright songs in that from that space. Um, however, what I suggest is write one line of a song every day. It doesn't have to be a connective song. You're not trying to write the song. You're just trying to write a line of a song a day. So you don't have to get so because some people get caught up like, okay, well, well, in thirty days I'll have thirty lines of a song. No, you'll have thirty lines. Because after 30 days, you're probably going to start to see a theme. Five to seven of those probably will go together. And you'll be like, oh, well, if I rearrange these or take a few of these, like that's a half a verse. 
okay, cool. But now your brain has gone into that vertical and into that space and into that theme, and it can probably transform or keep going on it or just keep going. I think I did like about a 90 day, just literally write, commit to writing one line of a song. And the, a line of a song we all know could just be like something I missed yesterday. That's a line of a song. We don't know what song or what could go next, but it does, that, that's not the point. But because we want to keep exercising that, like kind of going to the gym, you don't just go pump 500 pounds of iron five times and then not go back to the gym for a month. No, you're going to pump 50 pounds of iron 10 times and then go back tomorrow and then do it again. So it's that same kind of process. The brain, the creative space needs to keep oiled, so to speak, and moving forward. And how do you how do you work with that too? Because I mean, over the historical record of our lives, you know, we've listened to so many different songs and so many different melodies, and sometimes things come to us. I mean, people, I think, with our limited mindset and our scarce mindset, we would think there's no more left. Like all the great songs have been written already, or all the great music has been composed. What if they come after me for copyright infringement and stuff like that? Like how do you how do you manage? those types of people that are writing and they kind of stunt themselves up front. We think a lot about that, especially in the production process. Once we kind of get to that, creating the song about being a little bit intentional. And a part of that comes from being someone who listens to lots of types of music. And so you have a vast amount of knowledge to pull from. Yes. It can create some opportunities to copy or be influenced by I would prefer to say that it's influenced by. Mm -hmm. However, that you're aware of a lot more to make sure that you're staying away from that. Now, I say that to also say this. Everybody after Bach really hasn't written anything new. There's only 12 notes. And there's only so many ways to re rearrange those notes that make them still singable and recognizable. Unless you're doing like crazy serialistic composing and you're building matrices and it's not about melody. It's about running through pitches through a matrix and it becomes math and less about melody. However, inside of that, if you're super into science or like chaos theory, the whole idea behind chaos theory is there's one unifying piece of it. Right. And so okay. it's chaos within music, but for the average listener, for the most of songwriters, I mean, there's a reason people, it might sound cliche, but you know, three chords in the truth. Most songs are three to five chords. And many of them live in the same pitch kind of range because who are the people singing it? Humans. The human voice only lives within a certain frequency range to begin with. So we only have, yeah. we have even less to live with than what a piano does. Because we only have like, what, maybe 35 to 50 keys versus a can piano has 88. Or an orchestra can spread across that as well. So when you start thinking about the instruments you're actually only working with, yeah, some things are going to start to sound a little bit similar. The uniqueness comes in the fact that it's you doing it. And you're going to do your own version of what that is and your own inflection and phrasing and little intricacies and little bits of changes and differences to transform it into something that's your creative piece of art and seems less like you're copying somebody. 
You know, it's great. I, I know we could probably talk on this for like an hour or two just because there's so many different influences in music and trendsetters, but we won't, um, you know, just kind of highlighting, you know, people that make things that became like these sounds that became iconic markings or tales of an artist like Prince, right? His little, oh, right? Like, you know, it's like, oh, that's Prince, right? Like, you just make yep. that noise and you know that that's Prince. Michael Jackson, he, he, right? He, he, right? Yep. That's like, that was Michael Jackson's. Not anybody else could do that. They could try, but it's not the same. Right. Because um, if they do it, they say they that was doing, Michael Jackson. <laughs> that's right. They'd be like, are you okay? Yeah, yeah. that was Michael Jackson. Um, so there's there's a lot of influences, but I want to, I know we're, we're getting close on time. So I want to move to, we're done with the song. It looks good. We've got everything worked out. We're getting ready to go into the studio. You're a drummer, um, still an active drummer musician too and i want to know like when you go into the place let's say you wrote a song what is the first instrument that you lay down on that whether you have a scratch a scratch element or not typically i like to make sure we have a scratch track down which usually is something that puts the form into place so we have something to build like right we have to have a frame before we can build a house and so we got to put down mm -hmm. some sort of framework to understand what we're living with Typically, I like to have an acoustic guitar and a vocal because the vocal informs many things, but an acoustic guitar can tell you a lot about what the song is by what's played because it covers so many parts rhythmically, harmonically, and melodically. And then typically after that, I've almost, almost always done drums first because that okay. provides the energy and the direction of the song. Everything else can be built on that, literally. Um, because that becomes then the brick foundation that everybody else lives on. Um, I can tell you from a drummer's perspective, that's probably the hardest seat to sit in because I have to think about leaving space for everyone else when no one else is there. To me, that becomes the interesting adventure and challenge all at the same time. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how that comes together too. You know, so much energy that can be compiled into one piece of work like in three minutes one song can change your life like the right combination of words the right beats the right tone the right frequency the right pitch um and the right execution too right there there there's some songs that were made maybe they were great at the time but they were just they were missing that mm, that rah, that yeah. element of fire and and it's it's amazing to hear like over the history of music um but like you said anything after Bach, like it's fantastic. I love Bach. I still listen to Bach. It chills me out. It's universal. Yeah. There's something in there. Yeah. I don't know. They must've coded that music with something very special because it always brings me back. Level. There's no dissonance. Um, that's why. So it's very pleasing to our ears and our heart because there's no dissonance or there's minimal dissonance because back then, if you put too much dissonance in your songs, they would burn you at the stake. It was like witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. It's amazing. That's amazing. What's one instrument you wish you could play that you don't play? You know, I just bought a guitar, so I'm starting to learn guitar for real, even though you can probably see some in my studio. They're for the studio, um, but I actually want to learn how to play it. But honestly, if I had to say there's one instrument I would really love to play that I don't currently, it's probably bass guitar. Because okay. I find myself living in that space sonically with my ears more than any other space and any other instrument, even more than so than drums, probably. That's interesting. So tell me this too. Do you believe that it's too late to learn an instrument? It's never too late to learn an instrument. Nope. Yeah. Never. 
be a great hobby. I've been thinking about that a lot. I started off taking piano in college and I never finished it. My ears well trained just because, you know, mm -hmm. we work with, you know, audiobooks and producing podcasts and music beds for show openers and things of that nature and compositions that you're working on and albums. So, yep. but I know for, for me, I'm like, I always think about that. I'm like, Ooh, I need to learn the piano before I leave the planet. I don't know why, but I want to learn the piano because you know, I think sometimes good, I think like it's a good way to spend time. Yeah. Well, and sometimes as high performers or people that know what it takes to be at a high level, we forget to allow ourselves to be beginners again and embrace the process of being a beginner and just go through the process like a beginner. I know that for me, that's like, I've tried to learn guitar a few times in the last 15 years, but finally I've just decided, you know what, I'm going to just be a beginner and I'm going to learn it and I'm going to just embrace the process because it took me over 25 years to get the level I'm at in drumming. And I've done that for tens of thousands of hours. So I can't, I have to allow myself to have permission to only have played the guitar for 10 hours. Yeah. I love it, man. That's great. I know, I know we could talk all day about this. The music thing is fantastic and man, we, uh, learn a couple of instruments. We still have time. We could probably put out an album too. We got lots of time. <laughs> the media monsters rock. Great. Yeah, the Media Monsters Rock album that's be so, featuring Jack Black. We'd have to get Jack Black <laughs> on it. I, I, we can probably make that happen. We just don't know how yet, but we can. Oh, yeah, well, let's just speak it into existence. We don't have to know. Um, I guess I got you got to learn the guitar, and I got to go learn piano or something, so I can jump on something. Yeah. In the least, I'll play the marimba or you know the tambourine. There you go. There you go. I can get more cowbell, right? I can give it more cowbell. No more cowbell. Nobody needs none of that. <laughs> Let's bring it back. Well, thanks for joining us for another Media Monsters podcast. If there's something you want to hear, let us know. Coming in the future, we are going to have guests on here, and we want you to chime in. These are people that leverage media, use media for branding, marketing, sales, basically to create their own empire. So make sure you follow us. If you ever need to get in contact with us, you can email us, info at monumentalvoicemedia.com, and make sure you follow us on our Monumental Voice Media page as well, and our Media Monsters page on Facebook and at Media Monsters 1111 on YouTube. So take care. Until next time, be a media monster. Rawr. Get them.